0: You're listening to EVH Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. Now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH gear artist, Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all, and thank you for watching EVH Gear TV. We are live, and tonight I'm joined by Sean Clark. Sean, how are you?
1: Doing good. How you doing?
0: Good, good. Um a little cold, and uh, it's a little cold up here where I'm from, but uh, I can't <laughs> complain. It's, it was zero degrees today, so I can live with that. Anything kind of in the middle is not too bad.
1: It did dipped into the sixties today. It was getting pretty harsh here in California.
0: Oh boy, sixties! Yeah, you must have been. You must have had to kind of put the boards up on the windows and and uh, stock up on the uh, non perishables.
1: <laughs> had to put a hoodie on. It's yeah, crazy.
0: yeah. I really feel sorry for you. It was nice to have you. Uh, For those that don't know Sean, he runs a Convention All-Stars. He does just about everything under the sun, and we're going to get into a lot of that tonight, including (laughs) making some great music. And uh, I have to honestly admit, I didn't know Sean played anything else other than drums, and I was educated before we went live tonight. Guitar, bass, a little bit of everything, so we're going to maybe get some sneak peeks at some of the things that uh, you have kicking around in uh, in the man cave there. But okay. yeah, we'll have we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, let's let's just start it off. We'll jump over to the chat in a few minutes, and we'll say hi to some folks over there, and we'll come back every uh, once in a while as well too. But tell us a little bit about um, the you know your music. Growing up, um, you got into music. Drums were one of your uh, obviously your fortes. What got you into music, and um, where did you go with it?
1: Oh boy, um, let's see. I'm sorry, somebody's texting me right when you're asking that question. <laughs> no problem. To, uh... It's all good. Trying to get back to the chat thing here. Yeah, no um, one more time. Question yeah, one more time. so basically Sorry. when you
0: got into music, what, uh, when did you get into it? What age and uh, and where did you go in music? Uh, uh, was it drums first that you started on or guitar?
1: Actually, I started guitar first. Um, I, <laughs> I think I was seven years old and uh, my dad bought me an acoustic guitar. And at that age, I really didn't have any interest in really playing it. I had more interest in jumping around with it and trying to be Paul Stanley.
0: Right, um, there you go, yes.
1: And uh, and then ultimately smashing it like Paul did, uh, which didn't go over well with parents, them. No. Um, so then I was pretty much deprived of any instruments till I was about twelve, which then I got. Uh, I wanted to play drums, and my my dad said, "Well, I'm not buying you a whole drum set. I'm I'm going to get you a snare." and lessons and let's see if you stick with it and if you stick with it then we'll we'll get you an actual kit so I started off with just a snare and and, uh, drum lessons and then ultimately a kit but at the same time I also got a guitar and I was taking guitar lessons so pretty much at the same time at age 12 I started both did about a year guitar lessons and then I did about four years drums Uh, and just kind of alternated but I always seemed in every band and everything, I always seem to always end up being the drummer, a better drummer than a guitar player. Okay. So,
0: I think the fact of having instruction for both instruments at the same time is a blessing for sure.
1: Yeah. I might have been a little too much for me at the time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I might have been, I think I was more interested in learning how to play songs for my favorite bands, you know, than I, I remember. I, as I recall, going in for lessons and I'd be like, okay, yeah, but can you teach me how to play this song? You know? Yeah. And and I'd be like, Oh, okay. You know? And I was like, it was, uh, I remember specifically specific songs that I asked to be taught. And oddly enough, ain't talking about love was one of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's cool. I I
1: got a lot of Panama. Panama was another one. I, I, I really wanted to learn how to play.
0: Perfect. What about what about some? Like, obviously, we're going to love to hear things about Van Halen. But what other songs that were uh, classics or famous ones? What other ones can you remember that you really wanted to learn?
1: I remember he taught me. Oh, I'm wearing an old school crew shirt here. Nice. Um, uh, Live Wire was one. Uh, Merry Go Round was another. Um, Looks to Kill. I remember Round and Round by Rat was one. Uh, I Want to Rock by Twisted Sister was one just weird random metal songs that I, I wanted to learn um i think uh what's that one uh, the right to rock by keel okay. for some reason i think was one of them <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i don't know i don't know why i love but, it
0: i'm, I'm glad for, that you mentioned motley crew too because when i was uh, checking out your facebook page a while back uh, you had showed on um, the the crew album that was one of the first thousand pressings i think you have and you have that one still
1: Yes, that's oh, yeah. I have, a lot, I have a lot of that. Yeah, that was the original leather records pressing that was sealed yeah. that I paid way too much money for recently, and <laughs> and got into a debate with people online if I should or shouldn't open it, and I ultimately opened it because I by opening it, it probably dropped the value by about thousand dollars. Yeah, but but why buy a record and not play it? So you did know? play it. I wanted to hear a crisp virgin vinyl,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. I mean, and it sounded beautiful. So,
0: oh, nice! I'd love to hear that record too, because I come from that same wheelhouse too. That same era. It was the Maiden, Motley Crue, Kiss, Twisted Sister, Dawkin. You know, all of that stuff. Rat, like you mentioned as well too. Yeah, that'd be really nice. And you have a pretty good stereo system there as well.
1: Well, I, I mean, it's uh, for my office. This mm-hmm. is a small office. That's all you need. It's, <laughs> It's plenty for in here, but I mean, this nice turntable just hooked up to a, I'd rather actually go for more of a vintage, uh, um, uh, receiver, but Mm -hmm. I have this old pioneer elite that I used to run my sound system through, you know, and I upgraded and it's like, it's a pretty nice, uh, receiver, but it's not made for vinyl really.
0: Yeah,
1: I'd almost rather just get a shitty seventies, you know, uh, Hey, it probably would sound better. I don't
0: know. It probably but. would. And I'm in the same school, too. I have a Pioneer system out there, too, I use for a surround sound. It's great for surround sound. And right. I had to get a preamp as well, too. From I have just got a Sony uh, turntable that was given to me, but I had to buy um, a preamp for it as well because it doesn't have an internal preamp. And the preamp's mm-hmm. really, really crappy, you know, but it still sounds better than some of these all-in-one record players you can buy. So uh, I'm really rediscovering vinyl again with the boy. Um, you know, cause you, you know, it's like you and I grew up on this kind of stuff and the experience today, people just don't get that. They don't have the artwork anymore. They don't have the physical mediums that they can hang on to and look through the leaflets and all the artwork. That's an experience in itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And you remember how, you know, we'd listen to a record as kids, teenagers, growing up, whatever, and we would read liner notes and we would, it, we would actually read them until the record's done. And when records over, like you've consumed everything, but it was a story And maybe you read the same thing five times, who the producer, who the engineer, who did the artwork, all that kind of stuff. But it certainly was an experience that whether the fidelity was there or wasn't there or however you want to argue it, the experience was there and it just, it can't be reproduced. I don't think.
1: Well, there was just that, that mystery of going to the record store and thumbing through the records and picking up a cover and looking at it and looking at the picture of the band on the back and not knowing if it was going to suck or not. Yeah. And, and just taking a chance, you know, nowadays you can just, you know, listen to samples of everything. Oh, they suck. I don't want to, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's it, it's lost the magic totally.
0: Yeah, yeah you can so. you can go to your iTunes or whatever kind of Spotify or whatever you want and stream up. Nope, skip next. And like you say, yeah. you know, we might have wasted a few bucks. I don't really think I ever bought anything that I regretted back in the day because we weren't. We didn't have our judgments made up for us. Beforehand, we didn't have our friends on online saying, "Don't get that; it sucks." We had to. We're the consumer. We're the marketers for the the people back then. You know, (laughs) we just we took it however we could get it, and we liked it for the most part. and Then we get our our Columbia houses and record clubs. We get twelve of them for a penny and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) You know? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I um yeah, I miss that. I miss that about. I mean, one thing that's cool about um when I'll sit here in my office and work and I put records on is. Is when you put a record on, you're kind of forced to because it's such an effort to, to to skip songs. You're forced to listen to it all the way through, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it, you know you you rediscover songs that maybe you you skip over now when you're listening to your iPod. Yeah, but you're like, oh, this is a good song. I don't know why I don't listen to this one. You know, you know what I mean. It's um, mm-hmm. it's it's uh. It's it's fun. It's it's definitely a hobby of mine is just listening to vinyl, buying vinyl. Co- I've been collecting vinyl since you know since I was a little kid. Yeah. I never stopped. I know it's trendy now and it's made it had a resurgence, but I've always I've always been a vinyl head. So
0: never left it. That's nice. There's a guy on YouTube. Uh, be, being that you're a diehard vinyl guy, you probably know about him. He's a younger guy. Um, I don't know how many subscribers he's got, like t- tons. My son discovered him. It's called Vinyl Eyes. You heard of him? No, Look him no. up. I think it's like vinyl and then E-Y-E-Z-Z, and he he's a, a champion for getting people into vinyl. He's been a, a fan forever, and he's also um, uh, talked about those uh, wax cylinders, which I didn't know much about. Do you remember seeing those way back, like long before our time? We're talking like our grandparents' time. They're wax mm-hmm. cylinders, and they would play vertically, it actually, like... Oh, yeah. Tri- yeah. And uh, he was showing a video where this this one guy was on some show, some tech show, and there's only one in the world. And this guy was really nervous. He was holding the thing that looks like a toilet paper roll, and he was trying to describe <laughs> it. and He dropped it. He squeezed it too hard, and it shattered. And there's only one in the world, right? And then he he tried not he tried not to do an f bomb, so he said something else. But you got to look it up. It's on. That's vinylized. And he also talks about you know people how they get into like those suitcases, those Crosleys or whatever they're called. You know yeah. the, the worst thing you could probably ever do for for vinyl is get one of those things. All you're doing is gouging right
1: yeah yeah well it's funny it's like when i say about it becoming trendy it's like all these hipsters are going to urban outfitters and buying those little crappy record players that sound like garbage i mean they they're terrible yep um but that's kind of the trend right now so whatever i mean i hey whatever as long if those people are buying records and it's making more records get produced and i have more opportunities to buy more stuff cool that's right and plus the fact that I think you know, I, I'm, the musicians need uh, a financial outlet these days, and because you know, and and I'm 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 glad that they're they're able to make money again, since you know, physical media is dying. So you I know.
0: know there's so many things like as much as I'm sure uh, how much you love the internet, it's good for marketing everything that you do. I love the internet uh, for what I do here. I also use it for a business as well too. But there's so many things that I don't like about the internet, how it's taken things away from the musician. Um, you look at here, like over here in Canada, we've lost our Sears chain, which Sears is in the States as well Two Sears is closing up. All the department stores are closing. Let's go back a decade, not even a decade. Your blockbusters gone. You know, like I saw some some memes on Facebook the other day. Somebody was sharing some of these pictures where, you know, saying our kids are never going to experience what's like to go to the video store and, you know, and look at the VHS tape on the wall you know that's, that's just so many things are different right
1: well it's, it makes you i mean it, it you don't appreciate it as much you know because it's too, it's so at your fingertips i mean i i have still some boxes of vhs tapes of stuff i taped off of tv almost all that stuff is on youtube now i, know. I mean and it's just <laughs> like i i remember when we we would get something and we were just so blown away by it you know like a. I remember buying like a bootleg video of old commercials from the seventies and we'd watch them and go, Oh my God, look at this. And now you can watch all of them on YouTube. I it just, it makes it, it makes you not appreciate it as much when it's so accessible, you know? That's right. It's, it's like collecting with anything, collecting records, collecting toys. I, I collect toys too. I used to love to go to the, the swap meets, the toy shows, the record shows and dig through stuff. You know, I in fact I collect um, vintage Star Wars figures, oh, nice. and I refuse to buy them off of the internet. I want to find them in person and go, "Oh my God, here it is!" You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because that that's the fun part, you
0: know. Yeah, rummaging all through the bins and, and, you know, whether it be vinyl or toys or stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Because gets the whole thrill of, you know, okay, I want this one. It's graded a nine or whatever. I'll I'll take that one. And then you get it. It's like, okay, cool. And you probably just, okay, you put it up on the shelf and you almost forget about it in a week. You know, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah we, yeah, we just won't have that experience anymore. and it's and it's a real shame. That's why I think these it's nice that we still have the swap meets, like the guitar meets and you know on the comics things and things like that as well, too. And I mean, yeah. I, I imagine a lot of times too, you get some stuff brought to you, which we'll talk about too, some of the conventions that you do. I'm sure you get surprised every once in a while, too. But, but let's take a quick second go over and say hi to a whole bunch of people. I think you've got the chat open as well, too. We're going to uh, jump through here. Lyle Ketchum is one of our most loyal supporters. He jumps in. he was in the, in the chat like an hour before the show started. <laughs> nice to have you, Lyle. <laughs> Uh, Warren Hughes uh, saying hello everyone. Nam is coming up. I'm excited. Yeah, Warren, you're going to do very well at Nam for sure. Uh, Kerry Gallagher my, must be one of your fran- uh, fans. Says I love Sean Clark. Amazing or awesome guy. Um, super awesome. I
1: know, I know Kerry very well from Orlando. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice.
0: Uh, so thanks for stopping by, Kerry. Appreciate it. Uh, Fender Guru says cheers from New Zealand. Very nice. We get we get some globe travel uh, travelers here for sure. Um, really? Yeah, yeah uh, we'll get to we'll get all over all over the world. Um, Got to bust out my small violin. Uh, Lyle Ketchum says. Quentin says, "Hey, all." Quentin James, Real Camp Fifty Six. Good evening, Eric and and Sean. Happy Friday. Cheers to you all. Francisco
1: Akisha's uh, giving me crap for for cursing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: No problem. <laughs> Um, uh, greetings from Costa Rica that's from Francisco Greg Walker hello Eric and crew talking Walking Dead too. yeah this is That's. we'll get into that in a second a lot, Walking Dead is a real passion of, uh, of mine here and obviously Sean's a deep, more deeply rooted in it than any of us I think uh, Carrie says hey hey Sean uh, Terry uh, is jumping in saying hi Sean Jackson Martin is saying hey Eric Carlos Santin, my Canadian brother from another mother says happy Friday everyone Greg Walker <laughs> We all wanted to learn those licks in the '80s, yeah, for sure. Talking about all those bands that you mentioned there, yeah, Akisha, uh, <laughs> Tom Wars. I'm getting a record player soon. Can't wait. Oh, it's it's great. It, it really is. Uh, Scott McArthur says checking in late. Hi everyone. Curtis Murata. Hello everyone. Greg Walker. Um, go uh, please go Audio Advisor to get into vinyl. Okay. Carl Santos uh, just restored my old Techniques phonograph and got it working again after about 30 years. Techniques makes some great players. I don't know a lot about um, vinyl players, um, record players, but I know Techniques is great.
1: Mine, mine's a Sony. <laughs>
0: is it? And I have a Sony as well, too, and that was actually given to me by a friend. Really nice gift. Um, yeah, and mine's pretty nice. And I'll, I'll hold a thought there for a second. It t- tell me what you think, because I think you're more of a vinyl buff than I am. I'm, I've, I've used it my whole life, but I think you're more of a you know a, a pro when it comes to it. This guy, though, about on this channel, he says he even likes uh, record players that don't even have the automatic, you know, cue the arm and drop it. He likes to physically grab the needle and drop it. You know what I mean? It's that physical experience.
1: That's what mine is. Cool. Mine manual, yeah.
0: Yeah, I have. I can cue mine up. Like it won't actually move over, but I can. You can lift it up, bring it over if you want, and then push a little lever and it'll slowly drop it. But yeah. think
1: we may have the same one. That's what mine does.
0: Oh, okay. I'll look yeah. later on off the air and I'll take what my model number is and we'll compare. And does yours have a built-in preamp or no?
1: Um, I don't think so. So you probably yeah. have to get an external,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. and I have to. I have to. I'm embarrassed to admit I have a Behringer preamp, which is, you know, it's as it's as you know poor poor quality as you can get, but it works. It's, we're not talking Crosley, so we're good. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, there we go. This is a, a good comment from uh, from Quentin. Says kids went from <laughs> final to eating tide pods. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where where the disconnect was, and I just don't get it. I just don't get it. What this whole thing is, um, whatever. You guys don't realize that's gonna kill you. They tell they tell people keep away from pets. So if they want to keep away from pets, don't you think you should keep away from your kids too? Yeah, don't get it. Don't get it.
1: They die clean.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think toothpaste will work a little bit better, but. Uh, so Lyle Ketchum says, "I love searching for old movies and DVD, Blu-ray, and pawn shops and garage sales. I've been hunting for a Smiley Face for a year. The uh, yard sales, even here, I'm not sure what it's like in the in the states. Here in Canada, the yard sales are very popular. I'm sure they're popular there too. And that's what's you can- Smiley Face.
1: What is Smiley Face, Lyle?
0: Yeah, let us know because I don't know. I don't so know that is that a like.
1: movie or? I know, a, I know a horror movie called Smiley." Okay. I do Smiley Face is the same one.
0: Maybe he's referring to it that way. Yeah, let us know, Lyle, if he can, so we know what that one's about. Uh, Pat yeah. Moore says, hey, Sean from New Jersey. Um, uh, Hugh uh, says, hey, Eric, uh, you have the coolest guest. Thank you. appreciate that, Hugh. I try my best. And I'm here, too. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Uh, Jack J. Martin says, I'm currently making a replica of Frankenstein and uh, loves The Walking Dead. Um, and Carrie's uh, saying hi to your friend Acacia there. So that's the thing. We're going to take a little bit of a twist when I'm not talking about music and I'm not talking about Eddie Van Halen and things like that. Walking Dead is very, very um, close to my heart. I love the show. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think I discovered it. I didn't discover it immediately when it came out, but like very soon, probably one year after the first season there, season two, we'll say Mm -hmm. got into it and just been like consumed it like huge. Absolutely love it. And let's tell people before, first of all, Tell, tell us your thoughts on the show, and then we're going to say how you kind of have taken that to a whole new level with, uh, you know, talent management and things like that, and obviously managing half of uh, the, the cast, but what are your thoughts on the show, and when did you get into it?
1: Well, I've been watching from the beginning, because mm-hmm. um, I was working with Norman Reedus before Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Uh, so I obviously, am being a horror fan, mm-hmm. I would have watched it regardless. Right. Uh, but I watched it mainly because he was on it, um, and, you know, became a fan of the show. Uh, and as far as what I think of it currently, I'm going to be straight with you. This season has not been my favorite. Um, I, uh, I think, you know, there's been some issues, uh, maybe some of the writing, some of the, the editing, uh, um, I don't know where the problems lie exactly, but this season seems to have dragged. I I think one of the things that uh, has bothered me about the show lately is fans, especially it seems lately, fans are getting more accustomed to the Netflix model of here's the whole thing watch it binge it you know mm-hmm. and you know I like the anticipation the week to week you know you have to wait for it kind of thing but I think fans are starting to get frustrated that they keep going back like 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 we're ready to find out oh my god is this about to happen and then wait wait a second oh wait we're like a year ago and mm-hmm. now we're seeing the backstory no, I don't want the backstory. I want, let's get to what is, you know, we, we want to know what's happening right now, you know? Yeah. And they do that so much. It's getting old. They need to stop doing that. Okay. Just give us the story. Quit going back, go forward, you know? Um, so that's, that's my biggest, big criticism. Uh, yeah, I see Pat Moore here saying killing off major characters, probably for shock value. um, I mean, there could be a little bit of that. Yes. But, uh, I mean, it's a zombie apocalypse. People are going to die. Mm -hmm. Um, can't just always have the main guys living, you know, it's, you gotta eventually off some of them. Um, but you know, it's, you know, I, I enjoy the show. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping that the second half of the season, it picks up. If not, um, you know, there's there's changes going on for next year, so I'm hoping that they'll right the ship. I mean, look at you know, Fear the Walking Dead. The first two seasons were hardly watchable, in my opinion. I, I thought they were terrible. Yeah, but season three, if you've been, I don't know if you watch it, I season got, three yeah. suddenly got great. I know. Um, and so it, it easily that was a show that I thought was just dog shit. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And season three, I was like, wow, this is better than the other show now. You know, um, so, it, it, you know, you just make some changes, better writing, better acting, you know, it, it can, uh, it can write, they can write the ship. I think. I mean, so. it's a great show. I, I, am I'm, I'm not saying the show's bad. Right. Uh, I'm just saying that this season has been disappointing to me. Um, but, uh, but I still like the show. I still watch it and I'm a fan.
0: Yeah. I, I I've struck up a friendship a while back with a couple of few years back now with Glenn Mazzara. And obviously he's been gone now for quite a few years and, yeah. I, and I hate to like the show ever since he's been gone. Um, and I feel guilty sometimes cause I really, uh, I, I love what he does. I love his work, but I, I, I was more of a fan when he was at the helm and I'm not saying anything against Scott. And then now Angela's taken over for, for Scott's work there. Um, which would be interesting cause I thought she was a decent writer. Um, but, I, I kind of miss the old Glen Mazzara, um, you know, the season, especially season three, things like that too. I, I hope there is some resurrection to it and it goes in a better direction, as you're saying. But like you say too, with Fear the Walking Dead, I didn't hate it as much as as you say, but I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it by any means. I think I was liking season one and season two because it was a companion, and and I want to like anything I can from this franchise. And it was just almost like a courtesy, like if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa! Like you said, it was almost okay. Like the 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 parent show better step it up, right? Because mm-hmm. it got that good. So well, I,
1: I think the problem with season one and two was there was no likable characters, right? So I really didn't care about anybody. Mm-hmm. So they finally brought in some more interesting characters, like uh, you know the the whole what don't you call it kind of compound with the dad and the two sons. Yep. You know, I, I really liked that dynamic and then the the Indian reservation people. Yeah, you know, it, it just it all started to kind of work, you know. Yeah. And and let's face it, at the core of the show, it's a it's a drama, you know, and, and you have to care about these people and the situations they're in. And I like the fact that they've made it more to where it's the threat is people. More, yes. you know, zombies just happen to be there, and 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 it's the and it's the people that are the threat, and and I like that. Um, yeah, we would like to see some zombie action once in a while, but quite frankly, the 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 human element is the more interesting story, I think. You know, but you got to keep that interesting, though.
0: Oh yeah, that's the thing. I would be wanting to sleep with one eye open, not for for uh, walkers crawling around my my camp. But who's going to come and steal, kill me, take my weapons, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the the human element is uh, scary as, as all can be. Yeah. For sure. Now a lot of people said too with uh, just to, to go to Fear the Walking Dead. So they they said that it was lacking the the long time the long-term villains like your governors and your Negans and things like that. And they yeah. they would have a villain per se and the villain would be gone in two episodes. How do, how can how do you think it can be successful without having a villain and how can Walking Dead be successful or maybe sometimes not so successful having a long-time villain?
1: Um I don't know. I mean, it really just comes down to the writing. Yeah. I mean, because you can have multiple threats. They don't have to be the big bad, you know, Um, which is kind of what they had going on in fear. They had the crazy son Mm -hmm. who's a loose cannon. They had the racist kind of asshole father. Yeah. They had the the leader of the Indians, you know, the Indian Mm -hmm. group that you, you know, he was all about protecting his people, but you didn't know if he was a bad guy or a good guy. And, you know, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, you know, there's different ways and different, different ways you could take that, you know? So, um, you know, I think the other problem with the current walking dead is there's too many people. There's too many groups going on. You know, you have your, the trash people over here, you have the ocean side, you have the saviors, you have, it, it, it almost, when they keep focusing on one story and and at the same time doing that stuff I said of going back
0: story of every every
1: by group the you get back to some of these people you've forgotten about them like oh my oh I forgot about these people I know you know need to tighten it up it needs to be tightened up that, that's the problem they need to trim the fat get back to the basics you know um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree tough. with that, and there could be some production costs uh, saved as well too. Because obviously that's always been an element is production costs. I mean, less cast, um, less you know, a, a lot less. Work. It's always worked no matter how much cast you have. But the fact yeah. that if they cut some of that back, and um, you know, I mean, you could have a, you could have a full seasons dedicated to to these the trash people. You could have a season dedicated to this group over here. If they weren't careful, that's what could happen. And yeah. we're going to be season twenty before we really know it. What happens to Negan even?
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, if you're gonna do that, just split them off into other, you know, the Walking Dead trash people. That could be a new series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Walking Dead, Oceanside. That could be a new. I mean, I, I you don't want to do that though, because I mean, yeah, too much of a good thing isn't always a good thing.
0: CSI, but is the example. you don't want
1: to turn into CSI. Yeah, you know, CSI Vegas, CSI Miami, CSI. You know,
0: oh, I know. Yeah, it just yeah. eventually it's it you've jumped the shark. Um, with that with a bulldozer, you know what I mean
1: yeah but the problem is a m c cares about one thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, yeah know? I know so you know they'll 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 drive something i mean you know any corporation is gonna drive something into the ground and milk every last penny out of it, you know, mm-hmm. but let's hope it doesn't get to that. Let's hope they keep making quality shows, which you know yeah for the most part they have so
0: yeah. As, as you were saying earlier, and we won't give away, I, I've always said I don't give away spoilers here on the show, and I mean, you're going to find spoilers. I find spoilers by not even looking for them. I read a Star Wars spoiler when I went to see the new one, and I was looking for how they're going to you know portray Princess Leia in the next movie, or what yeah. her role could be, and I read a spoiler for the one. I went to go see the recent one, and I was so mad, but I put it out of my mind to pretend I didn't read it, and even though I knew that there was going to be a spoiler there, I, I was able to get it out of my mind. But no Walking Dead spoilers. Uh, The mid-season finale. What were your thoughts on how that went down? And you talk about you know major major things that can happen. Do you think it was done for shock value? Um, Do you think it had a purpose? Um, What are what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think by now everybody knows, so I don't think think there's much spoiling. Um, But uh, you know, I know a lot of people. I've read that people were you know the Carl incident Mm -hmm. uh, that people were upset because it deviated from the comic or whatever. I I don't read the comics. I've never read the comics. So, um, and quite frankly, I think it's a good thing they deviate from the comic because then you're not going to be surprised, you know, if you follow the comics, you know? Um, but you know, as far as, uh, do I think it was a good idea? I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. If it's a good idea or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think it was, I personally didn't think it was done well uh, in that mid-season finale. Like, I think they could have presented it in a way that could have been more shocking. Yeah. Uh, It it just kind of seemed like, oh, oh, Uh, you know, I I don't know. I wasn't very shocked. I wasn't very, uh, I don't know. It it just kind of seemed very, it didn't have the factor, you know. Yeah. Uh, just like, Oh my God. I mean, it was, I, it was, it was, I don't know, but maybe it was the way Carl played it being so just somber about it that made you just not feel like it was that big a deal. I don't, I'm just speaking to myself personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know some fans are very upset.
0: Yeah. Um, Who knows maybe what the, uh, when we jump back into it in a few weeks here, um, for the pickup of the second half, maybe we'll yeah. see some more element to that. Uh, Cause what I, from what I've heard, you know, just from fan reviews and things and speculations, um, mm-hmm. you know, that he's he's put a lot into this final send off role. So let's well, hopefully it'll be um, a nice send off and we'll have that lasting effect. Cause even back in the days, you know, when you know, people we lost Lori on the show and things like that, there and Herschel, obviously, for sure, people like that, they that lasts forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll never I'm, get over I'm the Herschel. still
1: upset about Herschel dying. I you know? know, I know. I mean, it's like, but you know, it is what it is. I, I don't know. I mean, I personally, um, was never a big Carl fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, uh, just your thing. Just, yeah, just personal preference. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> and on the side of that, I was never a Glenn fan. And yeah. and I, I mean, I, I hate, I almost embarrassed to say it, but we have to speak our mind. Um, you know, was there from the very beginning, you know, one of the most brutal deaths on the show. Um, and I didn't lose any sleep over that whatsoever. Now, you know, I kind of, I get sometimes even mad at myself for maybe I'm not giving that guy enough chance. Um, he was a great character, I guess, but it just wasn't, wasn't my thing. You know, you can't, you can't second guess yourself. If that's your gut instinct, you have to go with it. And you're not a Carl fan. You're not a Carl fan. Um, but who knows? I I, will have to see. I'm looking forward to it. I I can see where you talk about though, with the binge, the way we're all trained to binge watch things, you know, you're breaking bads and anything that's hot and topical, you know, we binge watch and now we become, our brains are trained. We need that content now and we don't get it. So we hate it. Unfortunately, people aren't tuning out yet, you know, which is a good thing for ratings. Ratings are still, you know admirable so we can't complain there but let's jump over speaking of walking dead this has a little bit to do with the walking dead and after we talk about this fellow you can talk about more of uh, the clients that you represent but one of your clients um scott ian from anthrax obviously it's a perfect topical thing here because he's an evh artist uh loves the stuff he's started he's gone from uh, from a lot of using randall amps uh to the evh the the new amps uh, from eddie and loving those but he's actually um, he's had one, is he, one or maybe even more roles uh, in the show as extras. Um, so tell first of all, tell me your thoughts on uh, first of all working with him. And are you a fan of Anthrax yourself too, or is it just a client and and that you're not a fan of the music? Or
1: um, was a huge Anthrax fan nice. uh, as a teenager. Um, I still am. I mm-hmm. mean, I've seen them multiple times. That's uh, funny. I I've, I've known Charlie, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known him for probably almost 10 years uh, okay. and um, became friends with him uh, through sort of our love of horror films. Um, and uh, so I would go to shows. He would he'd get me passes, go backstage and I'd see Scott there and Scott was always a little standoffish, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't know me. And I, I'm not that that fanboys out and runs up to people and I, I met him and, you know, nice enough guy. Um, But, uh, I don't even remember exactly. Oh, I remember. Um, I I was trying to think how I ended up working with Scott. Um, uh, he was taught, you know, I guess interested in doing conventions and he knows Norman Reedus and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Norman said, you should talk to Sean, gave him my number, called me up. And and I said, oh yeah, you know, we've actually met a few times, you know, I'm friends with Charlie. And so then Charlie asked me to, you know, you know, why don't you, uh. Because I, I don't know, I always feel kind of weird about like you know booking friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, but he was like, "Hey, if you're going to book Scott, why don't you you know book me as well? It'd probably be good to put us together." So, as of right now, I think I've I've, I've actually only booked Scott once. Okay. Um, so uh, we don't have a, a long relationship, but uh, I I definitely think he and I really hit it off that first weekend. We hung out quite a bit uh, at the bar afterwards, <laughs> just like chatting it up. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's once you get to know him, uh, such a really, really great guy. I like him. I actually like everybody in the band. I mean, they're all super nice. Joey's super nice. Uh, Frankie's super. I don't know the other guitar player. Um, whoever I, the, the lead guitar player right now. Yeah. I don't know him. I've never really talked to him. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I've been going to see them or, or, oh, I, you know, like, I met Dan Spitz when he was in the band um, uh, backstage or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, they're all great guys. And and believe me, <clears throat> I mean, I was a big Anthrax fan in, in high school. And, you know, I have pictures of me with the long hair and the Anthrax T-shirts. And I've shown Charlie and he got a kick out of it. pretty fun. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, if you would have told 15-year-old Sean that you would be someday working with them and, hanging out with them i would have probably pissed my pants so yeah yeah it's really cool and great guys
0: you, t- you take a look at any of these metal bands and they have this the mystique their stage persona of you know they're going to eat your soul you know <laughs> but yet yeah, there's these gentle giants will hold the door open for the ladies and and all this kind of cool stuff and uh, it's it's a small world once you uh, you connect all these people and they're very very good people um yeah. a lot of metal bands you know it's all it's all an act you know it's uh that's their day gig right yeah. they come home and their daddy playing with the playing tea, uh, t- uh, dress up party with their daughters and all that kind of cool stuff. Wicked. Mm-hmm. Now, um, those, uh, Scott's done some extras in the walking dead. I, I don't know this about you and, and I feel ashamed. I don't know the answer being that you've had the connection with, uh, you know, the crew. Have you done any extras in the movie and the show? I mean,
1: not on that show. No, you haven't. No, I've been in, I've been an extra in, in several films. Mhm. Uh, more f- just for fun. I'm not really an actor trying to be one. Um, no. but, uh, I've never even visited the set, believe it or not. Oh. I've, I've talked about it. You know, mm-hmm. they film in Atlanta, which is all the way on the other side of the U S from California.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I would literally have to make a a special trip to go. And, you know, I I'm, I'm one of those people that's, I don't like, I, f- I don't like to feel like I'm hassling people, even mm-hmm. though it's like, I know them and it's like probably not a big deal. I never like to feel, um, like I'm trying to get something from somebody yeah. and, and I hate having that feel. I hate even asking for backstage passes, like from bands, you know, they usually, you know, if they're friends like anthrax or something like If Charlie's like, Hey, you want to come to the show? I'll get you passes. Mm-hmm. And I get there and I go to the box office and they, you know i said yeah i'm on the list but, you know sean clark and then they hand me the tickets and there's backstage passes with it i'm always kind of shocked like oh oh cool yeah you know um i never ask you know because I, I i don't like being that guy yeah i know you know? Yeah. you know what i mean yeah um like we we just went to the misfit show at the Forum, um and i you know i'm good friends with you know johnny kelly and steve zing and london may and all those guys you know they're not in that the Misfits. Mm-hmm. You know. But, I know I have connections with all those people. I easily could have got backstage passes, yep. but I don't want to hassle. I don't want to ask anybody, you yep. know, and we're, we're right up the front, my girlfriend and I, and, and I look over and I see my buddy who works for Glenn and he's backstage and he's like, Hey, come here. And I, I, I walk over to the get, the rail and he's like, are you coming back after? I'm like, nah, I, you know, I, I didn't get past him. He's like, Oh, just meet me over here. We'll, I'll get you in after the show. I'm like, okay. So, you know, we went over and we went back to the age and hung out after. And it was, you know, I mean, I don't like to be, high I don't like to feel like I expect it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah,
0: of course. And you don't want to be that, the high maintenance guy, you know? Yeah, so here he yeah, comes again. I,
1: don't, I, I hate people like worrying about, like if I went to visit the set and I, I would feel like the whole time. Those guys would be worrying about me, like, oh, you know, is Sean, is, is Sean, you know, you are you cool, like, and do, like, just let me sit over here and chill. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I won't get in the way. I'll, I'll just sit over here and be quiet. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to throw them want, off their game at all. Kind of feeling, I don't
1: want to be a distraction. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Let's talk a little bit about some. Obviously, we're on an Eddie Van Halen themed show. um uh-huh. When did um when in the van halen time period when did you encounter them and how did they uh, how did eddie van halen because you play guitar as well bass drums mm-hmm. when did eddie van halen kind of get in your brain and uh, and how did it affect you
1: first album okay I mean, nice i mean i'll never forget hearing running running with the devil for the first time and still to this day one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i mean just loved that band and um You know, the crazy thing, it's like there's, I'm a guy that's been to probably a thousand concerts, you know, big music guy, have never seen Van Halen.
0: No way.
1: No. And it's, it's great. I wasn't a fan of the Hagar era. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny. I like Hagar as a solo artist. I didn't like him in Van Halen, really. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know why. But um, love the Roth era uh wanted badly to go see them when they played us festival oh, um it would be great if you could have oh man i wanted to so bad but i was 12 years old yeah and my parents weren't gonna let me go to a <laughs> no a, like
0: three hundred thousand people
1: music festival yeah yeah so um yeah i was really bummed i didn't i, mean, I watched it i remember they televised it um i don't remember it was like I don't remember where it was televised, but maybe it was MTV or somebody televised. One it was just networks. like select songs from each band. Yep. Except Motley Crue, for some reason they didn't show Motley Crue, which was my favorite band at the time. I was so pissed that they didn't show Motley Crue. I'm like, why are they not showing them? You know. Yeah. Um, but now I, you know, you can watch the entire concert on YouTube. That's um, right. But yeah, that's that's the era, man. I mean, the uh, Van Halen, that classic era. Uh, I think my favorite era is probably probably the nineteen eighty four era because that was just the height of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, maybe that or or Diver Down. You mm-hmm. know, that period. You know, just because they were just on top of the world, and you know, Roth was at his is total. Excess, you know, completely out of his mind. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I could sit here and watch YouTube for hours of just drunken. David Lee Roth interviews, you know, that they're hilarious. They are. So, <laughs> you know.
0: That's the thing. But, I, well, I always talk about that on the show here, too. I say, you know, people, some people complain about David Lee Roth being, about always being on, you know, uh, it's, you know, but do you want David Lee Roth to be off? That's his thing. That's what makes yeah. him so cool. That's what makes the band so cool is that, you know, you, ha- you have to, you have to be in it for the long haul when it comes to David Lee Roth. If, you, if you're just coming in and experiencing David Lee Roth for five minutes, as an as a new potential fan, you're gonna hate him. You have to uh, he's he's like Dave Lee Ross is almost like that guy in school, one of your friends that laughs at his own jokes, annoying yeah. as hell, but once you get to know that friend, you know, it's like this guy's pretty cool. And then you want to be that guy's friend. Yeah. 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 I, I love
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish I you know, and then when they did this reunion, you know, I was very I was in the Michael Anthony camp where mm-hmm. I was like, man, you cannot do it without him. Yeah. He's so crucial to this. He, he is the backing vocals in this band. You know, those songs w- aren't the same without him. No disrespect to Wolfgang, but mm-hmm. um, so I, I sat it out. I, although I may, if they come back around, I may eventually just, just to kind of get it off the bucket list, but I wish I could see the, the original four. You You
0: never know. There's so many rumors right now, so many rumors speculating and we won't even go down that route but maybe there is that chance that you can see them, you know what I mean, the the original four. That would be great especially for you. One time uh, I mean after seeing some of the world's greatest bands and one of your favorites you've never got to see that would be a real nice closure for you for sure and it probably will be the last time around if we get to see them again. I think it's going to be the last one but that would be awesome and you you probably did yourself a favor not jumping into it for the first part of the reunion with Roth because it was kind of uh, a new motor in the band again you know and breaking in that motor and it took a couple of years and a, and a couple tours to get that machine racing again and you know dave isn't what he once was but i still i still respect him to to the you know to the end of time and i would rather see that that chapter go out with dave and it's kind of like i don't want to compare this back to what we talked about with walking dead but like i'm, I'm not the sammy fan either i did respect them i i bought all the albums with sammy hagar but it was almost more like I want I, I want anything I can get from this franchise, so I'm gonna like this material too. And I'm not gonna lie, I was you know fist in the air when you know uh, you know uh, balance come out and in 5150, you know all the all the stuff like that, loved it to death. But David Lee Roth, I mean, is David Lee Roth, and and a lot of the fans here that watch the show, there's there's some both, but there's a lot of them that are really in the Dave camp, and it's cert- certainly an experience uh, with him. Like you say, the US Fest, all that stuff, all the Largo tapes and things like that too. Complete just it's a circus. it's a circus
1: yeah, and and that that was what was so great about him is he seems like the kind of guy you wouldn't want to hang out with because he'd be obnoxious as hell. yeah, but on stage as that rock star persona, I mean, he he is the the archetype, you know, I mean that that is that's the that is the model, you know, that is rock star, you yeah. know what I mean, and it was at its complete. Highest peak at which it could never be at today. No. I mean, because those guys, I mean, he can't say the shit he said on stage then. No, now,
0: no, you know, in a politically I mean? correct world. Yeah,
1: yeah, the politically correct crappy world we live in now, where yeah. everything is under a microscope. You know,
0: yeah, and look at it too. Look at back in that day, he didn't have to resort to. um politics like like every every entertainer does today politics and religion it was just about sex drugs and rock and roll and you know um you know conquering all the guys girlfriends and and all the, you know <laughs> all that kind of cool stuff And no sure it was scripted it was the same thing every night and if you're the diehard that followed every show you're like okay come on Dave, well, you missed a line there or whatever but it was awesome and like you say it's almost like you go to rock and roll camp to become a singer okay here's four vhs tapes of david lee roth study them come back and we'll have a report on my desk the next day yeah. 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 It, and it wouldn't happen today, for sure. Let's jump back over the chat for a real quick second. We'll catch up on that. We're going to come back to some more. Uh, actually, we're going to have some Spinal Tap questions as well, too, okay. which is really cool. There's a nice connection with you. Uh, While you're doing that,
1: I'll be right back.
0: OK, no problem. Lau Ketchum says, it's a stoner movie with uh, Anna Faris. OK. Um, so that's the one smiley face. Um, let me see here. Greg Walker's jumping in. Lenny James. Uh, Bruce is here saying, hello, Eric. Pat Moore says, killing off major characters purely for shock value uh Lau Ketchum says I hate when they uh, do that in the show just move forward with the story. Yeah, the backstories can really kill it. Uh uh Carrie says I'm a comic uh fan so I'm a bit upset with killing Carl. I'm going to try uh, that trust uh that it will play out. Yep, for sure. Uh Terry says I think fans want more of the story on how the apocalypse started too. Yeah, and I think you know we'll get to see a little bit maybe more of that through uh Fear the Walking Dead, which is cool. And now we have Morgan taking a jump over there as well. I think that could be very very cool and maybe we will get to see some of that. Um uh, Lyle says, I wasn't the only one. I watched one episode uh, and I was like, no. Uh, Keisha says, personally, I, I still like the show, but all the shooting and not much else is too much and we need more walkers again. Yeah, sometimes we, we can use that for sure. Pat Morris says, I agree. It got much better. Bruce says, uh, hello, Sean Clark. Thumbs up. Thank you, Bruce. Um, uh, Let's do rocks. Says, hey, fellas, we rock and rolling. Just learn how to play uh, When It's Loved by Van Halen. Anyone else like this tune? Yeah, that's a good, good little guitar lead in that one as well, too. FNAF Gamer says, Hey, Eric, what's up? Kerry Gallagher says, I hated fear at first. Yeah, and it took a while for to to uh, catch on to people. And uh, there's some serious, um, I'll have to admit, when you talk about killing major characters, um, you know, we lost a major character, uh, a male lead on that show. And I was, for a couple episodes, I was like, What the heck? I remember watching with my son. We looked at each other like, What? You know, bullets coming through the helicopter, uh, through Fear of the Walking Dead.
1: Oh, fear, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I was like, Whoa. And that's a character, you know, it's kind of like Travis, right? And that yeah. was that was a bit tough. I, I have to admit that was a tough one for me to swallow for a couple days.
1: But again, I thought he was just kind of a boring character. I he, was I was fine with it.
0: Yeah, you were, eh?
1: Yeah, I was yeah. just kind of like, okay, let's get man, let's get rid of that annoying son, you know. And they did. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah, that's true. Carrie um, <laughs> Gallagher says, "I hated first." Yeah, I just repeated myself. I'm I'm known for that. I'm like Jimmy two times on the show here. Will uh, Will Fear the Walking Dead time jump forward to to bring in Morgan? That's a good question. What do you think? Will Fear time jump to bring in Morgan? How is his character going to trans transition over there? As a fan,
1: no,
0: I don't. We'll have to wait and see.
1: Well, I I can't really answer that question if I know the answer.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) a thing. That's a silly question because I know a lot of a lot of these things you're privy to, and that's got to be hard too. I imagine you must get asked all the time, don't you?
1: Yeah, but I say nothing. Ah, Of course, yeah, because I can't.
0: That's right. Contractual. My
1: my job's more important.
0: That's right. I agree. That's yeah. That's that's the thing. Um, provide or you know, stopping leaks is is very is very tough. Uh, let me see here. Um, I scroll too fast here. Sorry, I lost a little bit. Let's as I come back to the chat. This happens if I don't scroll fast enough. Sometimes it will it will drop. Um. Tell us about the Spinal Tap involvement. Like everyone, every rock and roller is a big fan of Spinal Tap. Um, mm-hmm. They did a promotional tour a while back when they were trying to replace a drummer for the 100th time. This is back in the early 90s, I think. And you had a bit of an involvement. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think it was 91 or 92. I don't remember what year it was, but they did a promotion thing. It was at the time, I didn't know it was just a uh, publicity stunt. They weren't really looking for a drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, guy, the guy that's always played drums for them was still playing drums for them, but uh, they did this big publicity stunt and they had drummer tryouts at the LA Coliseum and uh, line lineup, you know, whatever the, the time was that you had to be there, get in line. First 50 people got to try out. I camped out and was first in line. Sweet. And, um, and if you've ever been to the LA Coliseum or in that area, you'll know, it's, not the nicest area to be in at night (laughs) when you're a, you know, ninth or what I would have been 20, 21 year old white kid. Um, but anyway, uh, I ended up being contestant number one and, um, it was cool because the the band was there and they watched everybody play. You had to play to a click track and play a big bottom, which, unfortunately for me i was the first contestant so i was the guinea pig and the sound wasn't working properly i couldn't hear it so from that point on i think everybody wore headphones um uh so i don't know who knows but um it was fun and i got to meet the guys and i brought my album which is actually up on my wall right now signed by all three of them
0: oh nice Uh,
1: and uh there was a picture that appeared in bam magazine, uh, of me holding my number one like sign with the band and then a few of the other contestants around me. Um, so that was pretty cool. And, and what I thought was really funny is fast forward about God, 20 some years later when, well, actually it would have been, I guess about 20 years later at the time when I was working with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, uh, I, you know, she's married to Christopher Guest, who's Nigel oh, yeah. Tufnel.
0: That's right.
1: And I told her about, you know, you, you're never going to get, and she goes, oh my God, I remember that, you know, because it was televised on MTV, Entertainment Tonight, Showbiz Weekly, all these, I mean, there was interviews with me. I'm sure, tr- I, I have it all on VHS somewhere. If Somebody just happened to post that link to that MTV one where they showed me playing for a second.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> But uh, there's that stuff's out there. And she was like, oh, my God, you were the fr- contestant number one. And I emailed her that picture of me with them. And she about shit her pants. She was like, oh, my God, I got to show Chris this. This is hilarious. You know, and she made fun of my hair, of course. Of I course.
0: Yeah. All <laughs> oh, that was great. And now you've worked with her only uh, only one time now through conventions or, or more than once now.
1: Jamie, you um, only did one show ever. Uh, she did a horror hound convention. It was kind of a one and done thing. She wanted to just try it once. Mm -hmm. So she, she did it and all the money, hundred percent, uh, went to charity. Even my portion, we, uh, gave it to the children's hospital of Los Angeles. We raised $182,000.
0: Very, very nice. That's amazing. Yeah. absolutely amazing. I have to apologize here to some people that are watching it and uh, right now as well, too. I'm getting some errors over on the uh, the stream. Uh, YouTube's got some errors as far as bandwidth. It's not my internet. it's just YouTube so we're gonna keep our fingers crossed that, uh, that everything goes good here. I've got a good green light right now, so we're we're good for now.. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about actually Convention All Stars. Uh, that's what's you know have got you busier than uh, the average rock star right now. Tell us a little bit about when you got into Convention All Stars, what it is, and some of the uh, people that you represent. Other than you, know, you talked about Norman and uh, and Scotty and and Jamie a little bit there as well too.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Convention All Stars is basically a personal appearance company. Why we book celebrities into personal appearance type situations, conventions mm-hmm. mainly. <laughs> Um, and it started off just kind of like as a hobby, uh, just something that I got into completely by accident. A, um, a friend of mine who was an actor at the time, uh, basically knew that I was tight with, uh, a couple promoters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: asked me if I could get him in cause he was having a hard time trying to communicate to them directly.
0: Yep.
1: so I did. And eventually at one point he just kind of said uh you know why don't you represent me you know and i was like oh okay so i just did it like just to do it you Mm -hmm, know and and i was doing it more um because i was a fan and i used to go to conventions and i would pay to go to them i'd fly myself out put myself up and when i found out representing these people that the convention will fly me in. Mm-hmm. They'll put me up in a hotel room and I might make a little bit of money. Bonus. Yeah. I was like done. You know, it was just, it was like, wow, I just found out a way to pay off, but pay for my hobby.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so I was just doing it for that. And I had a real, you know, regular nine to five gig.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, eventually it just snowballed and it started to, I was working more on that than I was my real job. Cause I was working a commission based job at the time. Uh, I was a loan officer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I would sit at my desk at work. No, you know, nobody's supervising me because basically
0: Your you own know, boss kind of,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm on a commission, you mm-hmm. know, so the harder I work, the more money I make. I'm sitting there in the office spending more time working on booking conventions than I was the mortgage stuff. And eventually at some point I just said, you know what? I just need to this is I'm wasting everybody's time coming in here every day. I need to just focus. And so I I think it was two thousand six, February two thousand six, I officially walked away from a, a real job and mm-hmm. never looked back. So
0: now was it scary for you at first a little bit, even though you, you had the potential?
1: Very. Yeah. Because if it if it if I fell flat on my face, you know, I had nothing, you know. Um I had no backup. So um, I just figured though, you know, if I'm going to do something, you got to put a hundred percent into it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't doing an adequate job trying to juggle two different jobs, you know?
0: Yeah. I had a, I had a smaller similar experience. I used to work in radio. I did that for about 8 years and I was always a freelance guy doing, you know, multimedia stuff and I just found that I was starting to build a bit of a business and my 9 to 5 or 8 to 4:30 you want to call it was getting in the way. That's the only thing that was holding me back. I was the only thing holding me back if that makes sense and I said, you know, I, I made that leap. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, and you know it hasn't been the the most profitable thing in my life, but it certainly it's kept power on, it's kept the internet working here for us. So that I guess we're doing okay, and it yeah. is it is nice if you're gonna be uh, if you're gonna do it do it for yourself instead of making someone else rich, and uh, it's very very rewarding. But that's the thing too, you pick up a couple a couple clients, and then. It's just—it's almost like bands getting, you know, sponsorships and endorsements with different companies. Once you get a couple majors on there, everyone else wants to be part of it for some reason. And yeah. you know, they talk to their their buddies and different networking things. And and oh yeah, you got to go talk to Sean. Sean will take care of you. And your reputation has been really good with these people. You really like—I mean, I've I've seen some of the behind the th- scenes things that you do. It's not just booking. It's taking care of everything from you know, if you don't have other assistants with you, okay, you got enough coffee? Are you good? Uh, is your how's your room? You know, you know, everything right? It's yeah. a lot of yeah. behind the scenes. Uh, not so glamorous sometimes is what a lot of people may think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, everybody everybody sees the pictures on the internet and uh, and you know, it's just some like, that I'm getting the rock star treatment too or mm-hmm. something but it's not.
0: One of the biggest conventions going out there. Um, yeah. I've been following those guys since uh, the very onset as well too. I even used to write for them on the website. They had a column called... um Uh, Rocking Dead. So I was the music guy and and it was a very short-lived type thing and then they they boom, skyrocketed overnight. But what's it been like to see those guys grow um, from the basements to where they are now?
1: Really cool. Um, You know, it's so funny. I'll never forget the first time James Frazier approached me. Mm -hmm. and I immediately, you know, in this business, you know, uh, as in anything in the entertainment business, you're, you're always leery of people immediately because everybody's trying to get something. Everybody has an angle. Everybody wants something, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, unfortunate, that's unfortunate for a celebrity. They're constantly having to watch their backs because everybody's angling for something, you know, you know, um, and when I fir- m- first met James, I'm like, okay, what's this guy's angle? What's his deal? And at first, I was kind of like, this guy's trying to steal my clients. This guy's trying, I don't know, what's this guy trying to do? You know?
0: Yeah, what's his angle? And
1: yeah, I was, I was very, I was kind of a dick to him right away. Yeah. Um, he'll probably tell you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, we're great friends now. But I remember the first time, I mean, I did not trust him at all. Or like when he was, um, when, uh, When he first uh, tried to get Norman for a convention, I was literally like, "Okay, okay, uh, I want the money up front, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't trust you." Yeah. And he and we met, and he paid up front, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, I'm going to give this guy a shot." That shows a lot. Yeah, and and you know and. It was a success and I got to see, the, you know, his company and his, the, he surrounds himself with great people and, uh, you know, I, I immediately once you gain my trust, you know,
0: you've got it. Yeah. It takes a lot to break it at that point.
1: Yeah. But a lot of people think, I, I guess I give off, um, I guess I come off a little bit like an asshole. Uh, you know, like people, I, I think it's just my demeanor, uh, like, because when I'm working, when I'm at a convention, I'm constantly kind of surveying everything. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. I've got this kind of stoic face where I I mean, I've had so many people tell me that they were always afraid to approach me or afraid to talk to me because I looked intimidating, not like I'm intimidating like but just i look intense and and it's like you know what just talk to me you know i've had i read online where people are like, that guy looks like an asshole that's blah, 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 blah. like did you try to talk to me try yeah. to talk to me once once you talk to me you'll see how i am you know i'm i'm a very approachable person um i mean if you catch me in the middle of something i may you know, i don't blow people off but i may have i'll be right with you you know i got to do this real quick and you know um but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess people find me on first meeting mm-hmm. to be a little intense and intimidating. And, and quite frankly, I am sizing people up immediately and trying to see what their angle is and, you know, what it's all about. And it, it's part of my job. You know, I have to protect my clients, you know, and I I am that barrier, you know. <laughs> So <laughs>
0: I like to comment in the chat from Makisha says, uh, yes, the dick face. I was scared to, uh, scared to death to talk to you when I first met you.
1: <laughs> Carrie says you're a, the absolute op- Oh, I thought she was to say, you're the absolute, an absolute asshole. She's <laughs> the opposite. Of- oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: That's good. You redeemed yourself. And you know, a lot of musicians, the, the same thing could apply to musicians as well too. And it's, you know, some yeah. people say, yeah, I went and saw X band last night. Guitar player was a dick. It's like, yeah. but, um, you know, I've been that person before on stage where if something's going wrong, um, it's, you're panicking, you're in panic mode, and your job at that moment is, as much as you would love the fans, um, you got a job to do, right? And it's got to go smooth, or you might not be coming back again, right? So you, maybe you are that, you look like the dick, or maybe you might even been a dick one time, but... You got to you get you got to do the job right, and I, I like the way you uh, analyze it by saying you're scanning the whole thing. Okay, is everyone looking over here? How's the lineup over here? Uh, do we need any crowd control over here? That kind of stuff, right? There's so many factors that are being processed, um, you know, and that alone is mentally, probably mentally exhausting.
1: Well, at the same time, not only not only am I doing that, I'm also doing it for security purposes. You know, yep. you you've always got to be on guard and ready for anything. You mm-hmm. know. Um, because things can happen like that, you know, and, and I want to be prepared for, you know, if I see somebody, if I see somebody acting squirrely, you know, yeah. I'll keep an eye on them, you yeah. know? Um, because I it's mean, like, crazies, remember right? those, there was a one time, oddly enough in Canada, Oh, <laughs> not, not my fault. <laughs> where some guy, um, was just trying, and I guess he's actually. A semi-famous youtuber okay um i don't remember his name and i'm not going to give him any promotion but no. his whole shtick is to get reactions out of people okay. and he came up with his cell phone you know camera or whatever and literally jumped on the table backwards like backwards holding the table with you know like and said something to norman like you know something vulgar, something to try to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. And I was immediately on this guy, like, you know, went after him, uh, you know, we got him and he had his, his video was taken away. Let's say that, (laughs) but but anyway, you know, so you have to be prepared for, for, you know, crazy shit that can potentially happen, you know,
0: at any time. yeah, Yeah, for sure. Let me guess. Was that fan expo Canada?
1: No. Well, no, okay. it was. I want to say that was in Niagara Falls, maybe Ottawa.
0: Ottawa. Okay. All right. Yeah. The only reason why I said yeah. Fan Expo Canada—that's one of our bigger ones here. Um, I mean, I don't travel to a lot of them, but that's that's a big one for sure. And I know Norman, you guys have done that one a few times, and you know, you Stanley done that one a lot too. That's cool. Yeah,
1: that's I the think thing. it's Never one and only, The one and only time we did Ottawa is, and not it's not why we haven't come back. No, no. Um, but but that's that was the one the one and only time. We did Ottawa is when that happened, yeah.
0: Now, on a, on a stranger note as well, too, I was going to ask you a question um, as far as uh, I know, like, your your guests or your clients, I should say, um, get a lot of really cool gifts from fans and stuff like that, too. And that's why another reason why you have to be careful. Someone's just, you know, as an innocent is giving you a gift. You never know what they're going to give you. And yeah. I read some somewhere that one time Norman got bit. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it got exaggerated a little bit, yeah. but I mean, he did get bit, yeah. but it wasn't, I mean, it was more of a playful bite, yeah. but still you should respect somebody's personal space. space. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. and you know, that's the thing is like, you know, how do you protect against that when you're doing photo ops with people, when yeah. you're putting your arm around them and they're right there, Yeah, there's no security person that, that can move that quick from somebody to go like that. No, you know? it's done. It's over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just a weird, strange situation. Um, that, you know, it obviously made headlines. Uh, but you know, that person was thrown out and pretty much banned from any further Walker stalker shows. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, you gotta think before you do stupid stuff, you know? Come on,
0: <laughs> yeah. Pat says, "Yeah, it was in New Jersey at a Walker's Stalker convention." Oh, there yep. you go. What's one of the, What's one of the uh, craziest gifts you've received, and maybe you've even seen uh, Norman receive from a fan? If it's PG well, enough, you can say on the air.
1: I can definitely tell you the craziest Norman gift. Okay. I I've gotten some weird stuff. Um, mostly, it's all f- funny, you yeah. know. Or I mean, if you look right here, actually this is all this is actually all gifts fans made me or gave me this nice. is kind of like my little mini shrine um uh, of my favorite items and you know, i can't keep everything of course, because no, you, you know, didn't have a warehouse um, but but those are like my favorites and the last thing i want is a house full of things of me you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's my little that's my little me section yeah. and and that's about it um but uh anyway my favorite uh, my favorite, um, or oh, oh, m- the weirdest gift he mm. got. <laughs> I now, mind you, this is me telling you what I think is the weirdest. Sure, this yeah, is not his here, opinion. So. Yeah, I am not speaking for him, right? Because he may have loved it. Let's yeah. just say. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was uh, a woman that I get had had to have her breasts removed for um, a cancer operation or whatever. And she had the breast tissue in these containers and wanted Norman to have it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah. And what was the reaction to
1: that? I was pretty traumatized by that. I was like, and they were in, they were sealed, like, I guess, I, and you know, I don't even know if it's legal, if you can do this. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, to get, uh, but it, they, it was sealed in these sort of vacuum form. It was all, it almost felt like you're playing with like a, like an implant almost. You could feel it, you know, it was like, uh, it was, it was freaky. That was freaky.
0: Okay. So that is definitely, yeah. So we'll have the verdicts out where, what he thought on that one, but, uh, that I'm sure that was a surprise.
1: Yeah yeah that was um yeah, but I, that nobody's topped that one. I mean, he's you know, there was a time there after that episode where he ate squirrel that a couple fans actually brought him squirrel meat, which was kind of gross, but
0: yeah,
1: um, but I mean, at least there was a you know, kind of I a get theme. it, I kind of get why, but yeah, like yeah. oh, yeah,
0: or like a necklace of an ear or ears or fake ears or something, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fake.
1: That's another thing. But like, real stuff. That's, that's yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd say I got I got a bag of beef jerky here. I'm good. I'll I'll pass on the squirrel meat. We're good for now. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I, I've got catering. I think we're all right. Um, Carrie says she. Was it Carrie? Oh, says please don't be something I did. <laughs> and biohazard. She says.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now yourself. What was some of this other than your 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 fun stuff? Has Has there been any crazy thing for you that you thought was uh, out there?
1: Um. Well, I, I honestly, to me, uh, uh, it's really hard to wrap your head around somebody taking the time to do anything for you, especially, especially when I, after I just described to you how I feel about just asking to go backstage. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I hate have feeling like I don't want people to do stuff for me. Um, I, it's, it's one of those things where I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I obviously appreciate it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, a, wow, you did like you, like somebody, you know. I posted a thing, I think this morning of a drawing somebody does, like somebody sat down and spent hours drawing me, you know. I it makes that. me feel that was beautiful. Guilt. Yeah, no, it was a great drawing, but it, there's a like a guilt factor I get, like, yep. oh my God, you know, like I didn't do anything for you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so anytime I get a gift, there's this little piece of me that feels kind of like, Oh man, why, you know, you don't need to do that. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's like, Oh, you don't have to buy me a Christmas present. No, I'm good. It's cool. You know, I'm just, I don't know. That's just kind of how I am. But as far as crazy, mm-hmm. I can't honestly off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that jumps out at me as crazy. Um, I mean, funny stuff like, This past weekend, a girl from Japan brought me uh, a manual pamphlet for uh, the Japanese toilets I was talking about uh, when I was in Tokyo, the the heated seats and the bidet and all that stuff. She brought me like like
0: a manual manual
1: or something. Yeah. I'm like,
0: that's cool. So next time you're you're prepared.
1: (laughs) I'm buying one. I'm actually having my, uh, my bath, my master bedroom bathroom remodeled and i'm going to get one of those toilets
0: it was that pleasurable
1: <laughs> i tell you when you're freezing in the middle of the night and I, I, i'm sorry everybody i yep. paint this picture i like to sleep naked um and i sneak into the bathroom i like to sit when i pee at night because it's in the dark sure. and i don't want to miss the bowl yeah you know so and i don't want to turn the light on because you know you're sleeping you're you know it,
0: you can also it be a little quieter nice. for people too.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm painting a real picture here yeah, for you. we got it. We got it. So when you sit on that toilet and that toilet is freezing, I tell you, sitting on that nice heated toilet in Tokyo, I was like, well, this is like a little bit of heaven right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I need one.
0: I, I totally know what you're saying no, about receiving things um, and f- almost feeling obligated or just, you know, do, uh, not worthy for it remember a yeah. while back I was sharing some personal things on- online Now with our winters have been pretty brutal here and I'm out there shoveling snow and, and I got to get a snowblower. I'm not going to get a snowblower. I'm going to get a truck with a blade and I'll just because we have a big, big driveway here. And, so, you know, sometimes I would throw some videos up online of, you know, uh, being outside shoveling. And a fan of the show sent me a, a rather expensive Tim Horton's gift card. And he says, you know, next time you're in, he didn't want any credit for it. He said, please don't mention my name. And I haven't mentioned his name out of respect. Um, you know, I just didn't want to be known. Um said, next time you're out shoveling, take your son out for a hot chocolate or something. And I was like, I still haven't gotten over that. It's like, yeah. that's so cool. And so yeah. it's so, better than a jacket, better than whatever. It's practical. And, and he meant good because go take your son out, have some bonding time with the sun, have a hot chocolate on a cold winter's day. And yeah. uh, I've been using it. And I and I really enjoyed it. Every time I have that coffee or hot chocolate or something, I'm like, that come from the show. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I love Oh, by the way, I showed this to you before we went on the air, but I have to point it out that yeah. I... This was in my office. I did not put this up because of this. Mm-hmm. But right there, if you look up there. Where am I? Right. This one. Right there. You got it. Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Eddie, got a signed Eddie Van Halen picture right there. Just happened to have that. So just anyway. <laughs> that,
0: that's great. And as I was saying to you off the air as well, too, that is classic pose. That's Eddie had his one of his finest moments. And I was sharing a story with you about those pants. Those pants are the craziest pants ever. If you look at those things, Eddie's wearing their, the red pants with the big, heavy, kind of almost look like rope-looking pleats all the way down them. And yeah. I think it was when I had George on the show. Uh, George Lopez was on the show about a month back. And him and Eddie are, are really good friends, and they share a lot of stories. I'm I'm sure it came from him. I'm going to credit him anyways. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. But Eddie was saying that he hated those pants because um, it was one of the wardrobe people that's either David Lee Ross said, these are your look, Eddie wear them, or it was the wardrobe people at the time. And when Eddie would sweat and you know everything would get spilled all over these pants while he's wearing them, they became like 50 pounds. It's almost like walking in your jeans through the lake or the ocean. And so I, it's something I never knew of all these little factual things I knew about Van Halen, did not know that story. And I was like, kind of, oh, wow. And it's like this classic pose. And you can just imagine trying to run across a stage with 50 pounds of extra weight on your legs.
1: Do you know where those pants are today?
0: I don't. Do you? No. Oh, <laughs> Cause they, cause they, <laughs> Here's number, fact number two. I don't know where they are. I do know he has some of his old like jumpsuits and stuff like that from back in the day. He's been known to uh, wear a, that one pink jumpsuit he had back in the old uh, one of the guitar magazines. He's got like a uh, pickaxe up over his shoulder and he's got a collection of guitars. And then he was seen in the uh, early 2006, uh, 7, 8-ish uh, in another photo shoot with some lady. And he was wearing this the same pink jumpsuit, which was kind of cool, you know, kind of an overall kind of look. It was kind of neat. So yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm really glad that we have some of the Van Halen connection like that as well too, and the fact that you got that signed that that's awesome as well too. Um, you've got some obviously with through the conventions and the people that you represent and that you, you come across. You've got some really cool stuff. The one guitar, tell me about the one guitar you had with uh, and the comics. Uh, people are gonna love this. Can you show the one guitar that's signed by? Uh,
1: oh, the Stanley one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Here
1: okay, I'll grab it.
0: Sure. This is but good, guys. You got to see this. And girls,
1: this was uh, this was a gift from somebody from I believe it was like Marvel
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh yeah Stanley signed it Patushan, Excelsior Stanley I mean it no no offense it's a crap guitar yep. but it's just cool you know what I mean yep. obviously if they're giving that away it can't be that much of a expensive guitar but
0: yeah, yeah a wall hanger um, but still having it with the uh the, the signatures on that is is priceless
1: yeah yeah, it's just it looks cool hanging on the wall. You know, I've got my signature series Ace Freely uh, over there, um, and a couple others over here. You know, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing too crazy. I've been really on the fence about buying that uh, that new uh, Paul Stanley signature Ibanez purple cracked mirror model. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's expensive, but I uh, it. it I've always wanted an Iceman, you mm-hmm. know, and the Cracked Mirror one. I've always wanted that. The purple one looks pretty cool. I'm a fan of purple.
0: I'm a big fan of purple. So that's that's cool.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. You promise, I I'm you promise defense. you're not going to smash that one, though. I will not smash it. Okay. No.
0: no more Paul Stanley for you, okay?
1: You know, I've always wanted to get an acoustic. I've, I have not owned an acoustic guitar since I smashed that one as, at age seven. So.
0: I actually had one, believe it or not, when I was a young kid, I mean, I have acoustics now too. When I was a young kid, I remember my parents took me up north and we're camping somewhere. And this I'm very young at this point, probably eight years old. And Mm. this girl neighbor that was up there, she smashed an acoustic over my head. Like literally, it wasn't a pleasurable experience. I can (laughs) still remember that today with this guitar being broke over my head, probably Mm. suffered some cuts. Um, so smashing a guitar is one thing, smashing over someone's head. And it's not like in the movies when you see it, like these little cardboard guitars and they break and it's like, oh, wow. Like the wrestlers do it all that time. Right. A yeah. real guitar does not feel good being smashed over your head. Not, yeah. n- not pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of your the production that you've done with uh, writing and uh, for films. Tell us a little bit about the people that don't know some of the films that you've uh, written for, and and also the really cool thing you're sharing with me off the air is uh, some really cool audio commentary. For, like a lot of us like these special uh, special features and uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, audio commentary that you produced. Share that with us as well too.
1: Well, as far as film stuff, I only wrote uh, and produced one movie. Okay. Uh, it was called The Black Waters of Echo's Pond. Um, that's the only thing, uh, and I did that, that was something else I was working on at the same time when I got into the convention thing. And it was also part of that decision to leave the mortgage industry. Like, Hey, if I'm going to try to make this movie, I need to really focus. So that was a whole thing that I, I jumped into. And in 2007 made that movie, uh, was when we filmed it, didn't come out till. A movie just like drug and drug, drug. like I think it came out in theaters in 2010, Mm -hmm. not finally on DVD and Blu-ray in like 2014. So it was like this long process of just problem after problem uh, that plagued that production. But um, I'd love to do some more of that stuff, but I've been so busy with this, and so you know, I'm I can't yeah I can't turn my back on this business no, how, no. you know if, if someday I get out of this or it dries up excuse me um, then uh, I'm I would absolutely try to pursue maybe you know it, the industry's changed though it's like it, it, it uh, it's just like the music industry it's not as profitable of a gig to get into as it used to be and <clears throat> it's a lot of work for very little profit Um so anyway, beyond that, um I do do a lot of stuff for <clears throat> a company called Screen Factory producing bonus features for Blu-ray and DVD and uh you know, hosting some of the audio commentaries and I do this show called Horror's Hollow Grounds, right? Go to filming lo- famous filming locations. So I've been doing a lot of that. Uh I haven't done as much recently, but um uh I have some stuff in the works right now. Um actually if you look I don't know if you can see it here, but all these along this here yep. on the top shelf are ones that I worked on in some capacity. Nice. And my favorite thing was was this was getting the Saturn Award for the Halloween box set, which was this was a, a quite an accomplishment. You can see that.
0: Congratulations.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah. So and, that was and what cool. was
0: what was your involvement for that one to win that award?
1: Um yeah. basically we produced the majority of the bonus features for it. Uh, and I mean, that was for the entire Halloween franchise, like from the first original to the Rob zombie films. Um, and, uh, it was, I mean, that was probably six months of just busting my ass. Uh, I never worked as hard on a project as I did on that one. And, um, very proud of the final project, uh, product people, People, the fans loved it, and uh, obviously it got us a Saturn Award, so that That's was nice. really cool.
0: Every time you see that, you can, you can relive uh, the the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into that.
1: Yeah, I never expected that at all. Ever heard of the Van Halen tribute band, Atomic Punks? That's so funny that somebody just asked that.
0: Brian Lung, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You have your friendship with him.
1: Yeah, well, here's the thing. We're not friends. Okay. I haven't spoken to the okay. guy in years, Right. but... um but he used to play guitar for a band called Psychotic Symphony mm-hmm. who I was a huge fan of and I used to go to their shows all the time and I ended up becoming friends with them um and even some of my old bands um uh, um opened for them and uh I, to this day I'm still friends with the singer uh Stan um he's actually a lot tighter with one of my best friends but uh, I just saw him. We hung out a little bit last year at NAMM. Um, and uh, so I bumped into him there. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it, it, Brian is just a phenomenal guitar player. And I, he used to wear this nun costume with this creepy, yeah. like, bank woman face. And I mean, he was just the most shredding guitar player I've ever seen. And the way, and the the thing about him was not only was he shredding on the level of Eddie Van Halen but his his he was such a showman he was like the Tommy Lee of i okay. mean he was like you know i don't know if he did it when he played with Dave but he would do all these things where he would you know put his leg over the thing and behind his head and he had the strap that like bounced it was like an, an elastic strap, yeah, think- and he would just he would bounce the guitar up and down while he was playing it was really he was a hell of a showman
0: yeah um, yeah, with Dave. And, I think Dave kind of put him on a little bit of a, more of a leech, a little bit.
1: But yeah, probably. Yeah, he was. He was definitely a focus in Psychotic Symphony. And if you ever, if you guys have never heard of them, probably most of you haven't. Uh, look them up. Um, there is, I, there is audio. I, I would, I would listen to the recorded stuff because the live videos that are online are really. I mean, they were in the early '90s, so the the quality is pretty bad. Yeah. But um, but they were. An amazing
0: band, oh. for sure. If you search on my channel here as well, too, type in Brian Young on my channel. There's an interview I did with him. I just had strictly audio with him. He was actually going on stage in about an hour, um, so uh-huh. I'm talking to him uh, in the dressing room. And obviously, there's some things that probably happen in the dressing room we don't necessarily want on video. So it was an audio interview. And um, he w- and I in that video, I've got a link to the Psychotic Symphony. Um, it was, it was very, very cool. And with, when he was with Roth as well too, he actually brought some things to David Lee Roth that even surprised Roth. Um, you know, he's looking at the set list, uh, what they'd be doing and they obviously did a lot of Van Halen and, uh, uh Brian says to David Lee Roth one day, he says, uh, Dave, why don't you, um, why don't we, uh, why aren't you playing? I'm the one, you know, that's one, that's one of Van Halen's classics. And Dave goes, well, the last guy I had couldn't play it. And, and he goes, can you play it? Cause it's a real swing, right? Real shuffle on that one and uh, Brian's like yeah watch and he plays it and they worked into the set you know so he brought some things to the band that weren't just your average uh, you know clone chops in other words
1: yeah yeah his he was, he was, guy was amazing I think I even mentioned to you that one year I don't remember what year it was early 90s that BAM magazine uh, which was a California free newspaper magazine thing uh, named him like guitarist of the year uh, so I mean he was a shredder for yeah. sure.
0: For, for California, there's a, that's a big yeah. pool of everyone. I mean, that's where everyone was going to California to be discovered, uh, especially on that day. So if you can you can win that award, that's that's, uh, that's nice bragging rights. Very humble oh, dude too. Very humble dude.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he is. So are you doing Nam this year?
1: Unfortunately, no. I wanted to go. I love going every year just to look at the new equipment, mm-hmm. you know watch all the 80s rock stars walking around.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God, there's so-and-so, yeah. Um,
1: how funny. I, actually, last year, I bumped shoulder to shoulder with Michael Anthony. He oh, was, yeah. I, 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 like, bumped and I looked and it was Michael Anthony. I was like, oh, wow, you know. Um, so that's, I've I've never met, never met, oh, actually, no, did I? No, I never met Michael Anthony before, so I bumped into him. Mm-hmm never met eddie or alex uh, that was signed by a friend of mine got that signed for me a guy named eddie mm-hmm. actually that's cool out of here out my dog's bugging me out <laughs> uh, but uh i do have a dave story which is kind of funny let's hear um it. but back to nam and i'll get to the dave story okay um, yeah i wanted to go this year but it starts the day i leave for the walker stalker um, cruise
0: yeah that's coming up yeah
1: yeah, so um I can't go this year. Yeah.
0: I wish I would have been um, at you last year. I was there last year. It would have been nice to meet you in person.
1: Oh, you were there last year? I was year? there last year, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did you see us play?
0: No. No I didn't You not.
1: weren't there when we played? Oh, okay.
0: No. We're I'm... doing
1: that again this year. Okay. There's there's a band we the we two years the first two years on Walker Stalker we played with a band called Saved by the Band. Um they're like a eighties uh you know uh, cover band and but they're awesome there's and we they also even played the walker stalker atlanta uh, like after party and we got up and jammed with them there like a couple of the cast members and so like this year um josh bodwell who's um who is uh on one of those uh, tattooing shows i can't remember the name of the show off the top of my head sorry epic ink or one of the mm-hmm. something like that um he he plays guitar uh tate from Face Off plays bass, shredding bass player, um, you know, and then some of the other, the, you know, Tom Payne, Ross Miraclon, Michael Trenor, Pollyanna McIntosh have all said they're going to get up and sing something. Um, so we're going to do that. Unfortunately, they didn't book Saved by the Band this year. So I we immediately panicked. Oh, no, we're not going to get to do it. So I looked at the bands they did book, and there's a band called, um, oh, is it Mont... Oh, I don't want to mess their name up. Monty Revolta, I think is it. Let me look. I'm looking real quick. Go ahead. No problem. I want to make sure I got the name right. I think that's (laughs) uh, Monty Revolta. Yeah, you had it. And and they're a horror-themed band. They play a lot of punk and like horror punk type stuff, but they also do mashups and stuff. And anyway, I touch base with them, and they're totally into it. And they're closing the whole thing out on Sunday night on the main deck so that night you guys come into the locker Stocker, cruise, come watch us make fools of ourselves. Or we're going to get up there and play something.
0: Oh, that'd be great.
1: Figured it out yet. You know?
0: Yeah. Put it together so, probably minutes before you go on. Probably. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of how it's, it's, it's gone down in the past where yeah. we just went and just winged it. Um, and, uh, that was a bad idea at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, I was like, Oh yeah, let's do, uh, what was it? Because um, I looked at their songs and I said, oh, Everlong by Foo Fighters. Yeah, let's do that. I jumped up, it, never played it. Uh-oh. And I'm getting up there and I'm starting to play the song. And as I'm playing it, you know, just going by memory, mm-hmm. I'm realizing it's a lot trickier than I thought. And I kind of butchered it. Most fans f- were just telling me how great I was. But I'm sure the real musicians in the audience were like, bro, you know, it was, yeah, what it, it could have been, it was a little What's that?
0: I said once you're in, you can't get out. You got to go through it.
1: Yeah, I was just like, well, yeah, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, well, let's wrap up with your David Lee roster. I'd love to hear this.
1: Okay, Um it's not a whole lot of. I mean, it's just I was probably 15 or 16 years old, and I was at the Troubadour. Uh, I think I went to see a. Uh, there was an 80s metal band I was really into and friends with called Witch. Okay. And I've ever heard You've ever heard of them? No, I have not. Uh, a band that I used to love and still still to this day I'll put their stuff on. They had one EP, a five-song EP called The Hex Is On. Okay. So um, they're a great band. And uh, I went to Troubadour to see them. And um, David and Billy Sheehan were there. And it was like right after uh Eat em and Smile came out. Oh, Beautiful. So I think 86, probably 85, sounds, yeah, 86. That's a,
0: yeah. 80, 86. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, they were in the bar. If you've ever been to the Troubadour, there's like, when you first walk in, there's a, like a bar in the front and then you walk through another door to go into where the, the venue is. And I look over there and I see David Lee Roth. Yeah, I'm a 15, 16 year old kid seeing David Lee Roth and Billy Sheen. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, So I immediately make a beeline to Dave. I'm like, I'm going to meet Dave Lee Roth. And this huge security guy just steps in front of me and he goes, he's like this, not tonight. They're just here having fun. And I'm like, I just wanted to say, he's like, nope. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and I remember this is the moment. And Dave is sitting in the booth. They're at a table. Dave is sitting in the booth. And as this is happening, the look of disappointment on my face, I look over to Dave. Dave looks at me and he goes like this. He oh, points God. at me and winks. So that's and how just, you got. I'm like, that was enough for me. Yep. You know? And as I'm starting to walk out, Billy Sheehan jumps up on the table. He was completely blasted. And he starts taking his clothes off. And he's like, oh whoa! And he's like, and the the security guy that just told me to leave, grabs him and takes him off the table. And it was, I was like, wow, this is a party I wish I was at, but oh, well, that was, that was my moment.
0: Uh, well, that's close yeah. enough. Though. That's pretty good. I like the fact that yeah. he jumped right in the middle I was like, nope, tonight's not your night.
1: Yeah, and I've been there. Believe me. You know, we've done that to enough people ourselves. Oh so. yeah, of
0: course. <laughs> that was more than likely probably Eddie Anderson. That was uh, chief of security uh, for Dave and Van Halen back in the day. And he still used him for a little bit. Um
1: Big, a big black guy?
0: No, no, he's a big white guy with mustache. I, I
1: recall him being the really just huge black guy.
0: Yeah, um, like a wall getting right in your way. <laughs> boom, you're you're done, son.
1: Yeah, kind of like the dude from Friday. You know, you know <laughs> that guy, tiny or whatever they him. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. He was
1: just this monster. I was just like,
0: uh, okay. Sorry, sir. So, I, I will. I'll excuse myself now. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I love it. Fantastic. Well, listen, I am going to let you uh, conclude your evening and then do whatever you have to do. I want to thank you very much for your time this evening. Um, I had a lot of fun with you. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, actually. Um, please pass along uh, my uh, thoughts and love of The Walking Dead to some of your clients here as well, too. Say the EVH uh, show guy lo- really loves your stuff. Uh, big uh-huh. fan. and I'm going to be a longtime uh, supporter of the show unless I totally go uh, left. But I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm still I'm still in there. I mean, Van Halen put out Van Halen 3 and I still like Van Halen. So, All right.
1: You don't like Van Halen 3?
0: <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do, and I don't. Um, it's it's one of those ones where you like to. It's like kind of like the uh, where you sweep it under the carpet, but you, every once in a while you just look to see what's under there. No, and actually, there's many, many things about that that are very, very good. The tour was phenomenal. Uh, Eddie's playing was great on that tour. Uh, so I always try to find a positive positive in everything. So there's even positive in that. So yeah, but pass it on. Say that I'm a big fan, and there's a lot of Walking Dead talk on this show as well too. And a lot of times, if you follow my Twitter here, it's like 99.9% music, but. I'd be lying if I didn't say there's some walking dead in there a um, a lot. I'd I'd like to have more, but I got to kind of keep it, you know, rock. Right.
1: Well, since this is mostly music geared, I should probably really briefly talk about the couple bands I was in. Yeah, please. If if anybody is curious enough to, to look up. Yeah, I'd love
0: to, I'd like to do some research.
1: Well, I did the first band, the real band I was in, we had a seven inch and an album was like an orange County, hardcore band called yuck mouth. Okay. And, it is what it is. I was 19, you know. Um, it's it was it was I was part of that Orange County's hardcore straight edge scene, and um, and you know it's fun stuff. But the band I was really the most proud of um, was a band that was around from like '94 to about '98 in that era. It was a band called Malfunction.
0: Yeah, that's where your name come from, right?
1: That's where the malfunction comes okay. from. Yeah, gotcha. The, the running joke was our guitar player's name was Al. and he by al function okay as a joke i said well i'm malfunction you know like his to this day people still call him malfunction nobody's ever called me malfunction yeah um so it didn't catch on but uh anyway we did one uh six song ep called fuse and i'm i'm still to this day proud of that that band uh you know, the Al is an incredible guitar player. Who he went on to play with Cypress Hill for a while. Nice. Um, he now is the guitar tech and has been for years with the band Clutch. Nice.
0: Um, I know that band very well. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and our bass player Shane McLaughlin uh, is actually the singer of a, a sort of a legendary. Uh, Grindcore band called Phobia that have been around for like twenty plus years, um, and our singer is the guy I'm the most proud of. That guy, Frankie Perez. I don't know if you know who he I is. I know that
0: name for sure.
1: Yeah, he's he's currently sings with Apocalyptica, wow. um, and he had. I mean, he's always playing with somebody. Like he was, he sang for Slash's All Stars for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you Google the guy; he's playing with everybody from Slash to Duff to. Uh, the guy's from the cults. He plays with Steve Stevens all the time. Um, he was, he's was he got this, what's it called, Sin City Saints or something. Some band, They just opened for Jane's Addiction at the Palladium. Wow. He's got all these different projects going on as a solo artist. and um, I mean, the guy is a phenomenal talent. Uh, I knew it from the moment he sang the first verse. He's I was going like, somewhere. this kid. And he's one of those guys you hate because he plays everything incredibly i mean Aww. the guy can pick up any instrument and kill it you know i mean he's probably a better drummer than i am now i mean i have seen video of him playing recently i was like my god he's shredding you know i mean he's guy's a phenomenal talent i'm really proud of him um and so he's like and he was this close to being the the singer of velvet revolver uh after they got rid of scott mm-hmm. um and then Everybody kind of went and did their side projects and then the reunion happened. So Velvet Revolver pretty much got put on the back burner. Um, but uh I mean he was singing with those he was basically replacing Scott for a while with the because it was Slash's All Stars, but it was mm-hmm. Duff was playing bass once in a while. He had, you know, and you had uh Sorum on drums. I mean it was pretty much the band. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um but uh, yeah, amazing talent, and uh, so he was the singer in Malfunction, and and uh, and if you listen to that EP, he was when we recorded that he was probably eighteen. Yeah, yeah, very young. yeah, he's young. Yeah,
0: is there anywhere so, we can hear this uh, digitally? Anywhere can we buy it? Is it out there?
1: It's on vinyl. It's on cassette. It's on CD. I mean, okay. you could probably pick up a copy on eBay for two dollars. You okay. know, I'm sure somebody has it. You know, um, I don't know if it's on iTunes or anything. Okay. I'm sure if you just Google it, you'll find it somewhere. Okay,
0: I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, I'll check it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, it was a band. I We were in that era of when Corn was blowing up and Deftones and System of a Down. I mean, we opened for System of a Down at the Viper room the night they got signed. Wow. That's uh, a cool experience. We had the same manager. Our manager was systems manager. Um, they, and uh, we were supposed to be next. And then Frankie unfortunately quit the band. He was going through a little drinking issues back then. I mean, he's all clean and sober now and has been for years. But, um, you know, who knows where we could have taken it uh, had everything fallen into place. But I'm, you know, I have no regrets. I'm no. happy with. Yeah, look where I'm, you're at right now. You, you might, you might you know, not be I, doing what
0: you're doing right now if that was the case. And your life could be totally different and not necessarily in a good way.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, you know, the music industry financially has taken such a turn that, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's not the profitable business. Nobody's getting the record deals they used to get and stuff. So, um, I'm not, I have no regrets. I'm very happy and I'm super proud of him. Uh, and the other guys, they've I mean, everybody's made a name for themselves, um, one way or another. Um, but, um, what was, I guess that was something about that. I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it I, I, we actually tried to, uh, We tried to do a reunion maybe two years ago, Mm -hmm. maybe a year ago. It wasn't that long ago, and it was just everybody's so busy. I mean, he's constantly touring with his projects. Shane's constantly touring with Phobia. Al's constantly touring with Clutch. I'm constantly touring in the convention world. Getting us in the same room, we got three of us, minus Frankie, in the same room a couple days, rehearsed, actually tracked a few things. And then it just fizzled. Yeah, you know, it's
0: that's tough. Um, get schedules, you're all in different states and things like that as well, too. Uh, you know, yeah. all over the place. It's, it's the schedules just won't match up. It's not in the cards at the moment, anyways. Never say yeah. never. Never say never. As long as everyone's uh, healthy, there's still there's still some hope in a few years. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem is, by the time we did it, who would care and who would remember? <laughs> I mean, we, we we weren't famous. Yeah. We were we had a good following locally. I mean, I could. I, I assume there would be a strong. Uh, it would probably be all our friends and family that would show up. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, the and, local and scene. that one dude that's still holding on to the record, you know. Yeah, they're going to come. There's back. that guy out there.
0: Yeah,
1: you got no, actually those. surprisingly. Um, I mean, the, it blows my mind. Fans will find out and. Show up at a convention with the record and, like, could you sign? And I, I am always floored when that happens. Yeah, there's a girl named Sina from Germany mm-hmm. who has a malfunction tattoo, has the the, the, the logo. Uh, we had like an image that was our particular logo and the band, lo- the name, the logo oh, next nice. to it on her. And I'm like, oh my god, that's a you divert. know, that's hardcore, you know. I, mean, hardcore, <clears throat> I appreciate that, yeah. So she would have been there probably yeah.
0: <laughs> so i had a guy um, in my local area it was a friend he tattooed our band's name on his leg and the band about a year later broke up and um i i didn't want to ever face that person again like you you, you tattooed your leg now we're not a band you know maybe hopefully it means something to you other than the band name you know that,
1: that of, makes me think of uh i remember there was uh I'm not going to say, because I don't really like the convention, (laughs) so I'm not going to say who they are, but there was a particular convention that a fan got a tattoo of the convention logo, Uh and then they got sued, and they had to change the name, like, the next year. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I I thought that was so hilarious. I mean, I felt bad, but at the same time, it was like, why would you ever get a a tattoo of a, a convention? You know, like, I mean... Yeah, Band, I was, I was like, bands uh, are one yeah. thing,
0: you know, they're going to ro- probably stay around for, you know, who knows how many years, but conventions, yeah. it's like, a, you know, would you get Walmart tattooed on your arm, you know, or KFC or something, you know, they just don't yeah. do it. Not good. Well, listen, thanks for sharing all the all the uh, great stretch with us. And I'm, I'm definitely going to Google, see if I can find that. I've, get a, vo- uh, a vinyl would be great. And uh, I look forward to this someday uh, meeting you somewhere through the circuit or through music or a combination of both. And I had a, a really good evening with you. And I know the fans really enjoyed it as well too. We've got a couple of people joining in late, my buddy Jamie from the law, uh, and a couple others as well too. I think, uh, Dan Wallheit jumped in here. So guys and girls just go back and, um, rewind this. You can watch it later. And just in case we did have a couple of hiccups there. I did record the last segment, segment where we started to have some internet dropouts here. So just in case the video is horrible, I've got about the last 40 minutes as a digital, uh, recording here locally too. I can always upload that as a secondary video for anything that was missed. And, uh, please, uh, um, you know, I appreciate everyone holding through that uh, little hiccup there. It doesn't usually happen. And it, it could be, maybe it is my internet. It very well could be because it's storming here really bad in Canada. I can hear the noise outside there right now. And here in Canada, especially in my small little town, you get a couple of raindrops outside and pretty much everyone runs for the hills and they roll up the streets and pull the power away. So it could have been that. But listen, you have a fantastic weekend, John. I hope uh, you have a great one. And um All the best, all the uh, best with uh, Convention All-Stars and everything you're doing and looking forward to some of these other things you've got coming down the pipe in the future. And uh, have a fantastic weekend. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone over in the chat there, thank you so much for watching. And uh, have a great weekend. Stay warm if uh, you're in these areas like we are. Not where you are, where it's 60 degrees. But (laughs) stay warm. It's
1: it's actually getting cold right now. There's a cold front coming in. They're saying it's going to be the coldest weekend in a long time. So. Oh, but today it was kind of warm, so.
0: There you go. As I end this broadcast, I'm going to put on a nice uh, hoodie, and I'm going to get myself warm with a coffee or a tea, and I'm going to try to warm up a little bit because it's actually very cold in the studio. So I can say goodbye to you off the air, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week, and I'll probably be live throughout the week doing some more jams. We'll see you real soon. Thanks so much, Sean. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Hey, EVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these free audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book there are many other great titles to choose from as well links in the description below but just remember audibletrial.com slash evhgear tv click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook thank you for listening to this edition of EVH Gear tv this episode is being brought to you in part by vanhalenstore.com shop vanhalenstore.com for the largest selection of official van halen merchandise and memorabilia Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.